and welcome to episode two of The Calling. I want to talk about dreaming. It's something all of us do. It's something actually all of us do on a regular basis, not only at night, but even when we're consciously awake, our inner self is dreaming in an ongoing way. And every night, half of the world is asleep in, in the dream time, and the other half is, is awake, generally speaking. And when we're in the dream time, we're in a sense dipping into a larger reality, a larger reality, a different focus of consciousness, where our inner self is granted more free reign for us to experience directly ways that energy and consciousness interact to produce events, which in a larger sense inform and produce ultimately our physical waking reality in a way that our mechanisms of perception, our physical bodies and our senses are extensions of this larger inner reality. Our brain exists within the mind, so to speak. So when scientists or people who are grounded in a certain way of thinking about reality based on the idea that the universe is a physical form made up of physical constituents, they're in a sense operating in a distorted sense. What, what Seth calls, and I draw fairly heavily on the Seth material when I'm thinking or talking about dreaming or metaphysics in general, or if you will, the larger realities that we move through and exist within. So in a metaphysical sense, the physical world which we experience is a form of crystallized thought. If you think in terms of the very basics or the very sort of substrate upon which reality is based, what we're looking at are units of consciousness or what the uh, what Kilantic science might call the particle and the particai. These are basically units of energy and units of consciousness which in themselves contain vast fields of probability and ways that they can interact and move through one another to create fields of perception. These in turn create what quantum science points to but doesn't quite take the full leap which is the idea that consciousness creates form and form does not create consciousness so what we have in, in the sort of camouflage way of describing reality is that the abilities and ways of seeing and perceiving are largely determined by the form or by the brain or by the, by the animal or the creature that they're looking at. By doing so, by insisting on the idea that all physical reality is based on little bits of matter, limits you from actually understanding what is within matter or what the larger aspect of perception really is about. So not to get too far into a more, some of these more abstract ideas, but essentially what I'm saying is that we create our realities. What we perceive is what we create. And when we dip into the larger realities with other aspects of ourself or our inner self, 
we have the ability to then witness ways that realities are created. And as I'm, as I'm sitting here talking, I'm using words as symbols. And I'm, I'm speaking in sentences where I will begin not having any idea where I'm going to go with a sentence, but somehow knowing that it will proceed and conclude on some appreciable manner or way that others can listen to and apply. And in the way that we use words as symbols, obviously the meaning or the intent or the, the conscious intent behind the words is not contained in the words themselves. The words are symbols. And in the same way, when we're dreaming, when we're creating the realities in the dream time which we perceive, these are symbols. By extension, if one considers physical waking reality an aspect of the larger reality which we enter into during the dream time, we can then appreciate that in the focus of perception that we share in a, in a waking reality, all matter as crystallized thought can be thought of as symbols. And we use these symbols to operate and move through the world in ways, ways which, for us, help us to move into uh, systems of valuation. That may sound a bit abstract, but what I really mean is that we, we are here as a sort of a learning experience, or not a sort of a learning, a learning experience. And as a learning experience, the dream time offers us tremendous opportunities. And these opportunities, largely ignored by society today, have not necessarily been largely ignored by other cultures in other parts of time. Ancient cultures, uh, dare I say, future cultures. So, that, so the dream time offers us a vast field of possibilities to draw from. Because what's happening when we're, when we're dreaming is that we are, in more, we are more present within the larger spaciousness of the present. We are outside of time. And this is why it's possible to have precognitive dreams, um, not only dreams of ancient times or future times, but dreams of our current time seen from a different perspective. When we wake and, and we remember our dreams, we're able to remember our dreaming self and what that aspect of us was experiencing. When we're dreaming, generally speaking, we don't really remember our waking lives. So in terms of gaining an understanding of ways that perception operate and ways that realities are created and perceived, dreams offer us tremendous value. So I wanted to begin to outlay a method for one to begin to learn to utilize uh, the dream time, not only in terms of waking reality, but in terms of gaining an understanding of how we as perceiving creatures 
create our perceptions. Another benefit of a committed practice to, to dream work is that we begin to understand ourselves more fully. We begin to understand correlations of symbols in the dreaming time to symbols in our waking lives and ways that we can begin to understand and apprehend and reconcile these and utilize them as a way to guide our waking lives in directions which serve us more, more clearly and more elegantly. And different people may come into uh, the idea of starting a dreaming practice uh, from different levels, from different walks of life, from different ways of looking at the world. Um, but there is, generally speaking, some good, practicable techniques that can be used to move through, um, you know, a broad spectrum of what, what is available to us. And within that broad spectrum and within the dream practice, we have, first of all, ways to remember our dreams, ways to bring our conscious self into our dream time so that we can begin to uh, manifest and control what we are experiencing in the dream time. Beyond that, we begin to gain understanding of how our dreaming seems to occur in a dreaming body, which is an energy body, and that when we go to sleep at night, our energy body separates from our physical body. And this is how, in a, in a large way, that we recharge our energy systems when we're sleeping. As far as my own dreaming practice, I've been able to, to verify the possibility and the existence, I should say, of precognitive dreams. I've been able to verify the shifting of energies that occur as the energy body separates from the physical body. I've learned to be able to maintain consciousness as the body falls away into sleep. And by doing these kinds of things, we really get a great understanding, or at least a better glimpse, into the ways that reality on subtle levels is actually operating. So one of the things that is normally done in a dreaming practice, first of all, is to develop the ability to remember one's dreams in the morning upon awakening. And this can be done through uh, suggestion, making suggestions to yourself as you go to sleep at night. And another valuable way to do this is to not sleep for long periods of time if you can keep your sleeping time in smaller shifts, you begin to sort of intersperse them a little better into your waking, waking conscious state and are thus able to correlate the dream time and the waking time a little bit better. And what I mean by that is you can, instead of going to sleep and hoping for just a deep night's sleep of eight hours where you wake up refreshed and ready to go, you might want to divide your sleep time into smaller portions. Obviously, this isn't something everybody can do, but if you can, I found it to be a valuable way to not only remember more dreams, but to see the ways that your dreams reflect waking life and way that wake, ways that waking life can reflect um, your dreams. Keeping a dream journal is another aspect of a dream practice which is very important Sometimes 
it's good to, if you awaken from a dream, to write it down immediately or record it. Uh, what I found though is by having uh, smaller segments of sleeping time, like five to six hours, and then maybe a three hour nap later in the day, is that upon awakening, I'll be able to remember more of my dreams and either record them, you can use a, like a smartphone device or a recording device of some kind to record them and save them up and store these or I'm, I have lots of notebooks filled with dreams over periods of time. Sometimes I'll record them, sometimes I'll write them down. But what's important in keeping these dream journals is that you review them from time to time. Because when you review them from time to time, things begin to unfold and you begin to get a, a glimpse of how things are operating in a symbolic sense uh, in your dreams and also in your waking life. You know, like people will maybe go out and buy uh, dream dictionaries or, or books on symbols and dreams. And while there are certain symbols which may be considered more universal, uh, these books don't really, aren't really going to serve you in terms of understanding your own unique personal use of symbols because your, your subconscious mind is a fantastic and brilliant and limitless, um, what should I use the word, modality or aspect of yourself. And it will use symbols in a way which is... Um, in a sense, multidimensional. In other words, certain symbols used in dreams may mean, and usually do mean, more than one thing, or are related to more than one aspect of your of your life or your dream life. So, in reviewing your dream journals, you begin to get an understanding of the way that you use symbols. So, this is an important first step in, in establishing and maintaining um, a dream practice. Another important aspect is to begin to work on having lucid dreams. In other words, having dreams where you're able to bring your conscious self into the dream time. And a lot of people um, seem to be, or have been, I've noticed of late, Intent on this idea that the ego is a bad thing, that you've got to, you've got to destroy your ego or, or turn the ego off so that you can uh, function in a more holistic manner or, or a healthier way or mode of being. But the ego, again, is one of these arbitrary separations that we create. It's, it's a part of us which operates and manipulates in physicality. So in a sense, it's like the, the uppermost portion of our conscious self. And the idea, as I understand it, is not that we should fight against ourselves, so to speak, and try to shut down the ego, but to partner with it and allow it to expand its own knowledge and your conscious self-knowledge to get a, an understanding of who you are and, and what you are and how this whole, this whole experience that we're having here on Earth is really structured in a way that goes beyond what we're indoctrinated into, the physicality, the, um, 
the cause and effect, the linear way of thinking, which comes directly from our perceptive mechanism. We are sort of structured to perceive the world while we're awake in a one-at-a-time sort of manner, one event at a time. So we, we tend to think very linearly. And by expanding our knowledge of the self, which doesn't think in a linear mode, which operates using any number of other senses beyond the physical senses, we can begin to get a, an understanding of, of reality, which probably is going to be more accurate than what is described to us as we're growing up in the world, what's described to us in schools and institutions and by scientists and by religious organizations. Direct experience is the true purveyor of knowledge. And by developing a dream practice, what we're doing is we're, we're enriching and expanding the direct experiences that we have and bringing them into our conscious mode of operating so that we can begin to operate with more of ourselves in play. So we're, we're, not, we're not limiting ourselves, we're, we're expanding our abilities. So by becoming lucid in the dream state, and this can occur in various ways, it can be uh, in various levels. You can become lucid in a dream and say, my God, I'm dreaming. I, I, and, and become so elated that you've, you've realized that you're dreaming, that that excitement level can cause you to wake up. Or you can lose your conscious awareness that you're dreaming fairly quickly. So in a sense, this is the, the art of dreaming. It, it involves beginning also to control one's uh, reflexes. And I, I should add that, you know, it's not, it's not that we want to lose track of our, our purpose in life, our waking life. We're, we're obviously here for a purpose. And by engaging in this type of work, we're enhancing our abilities. Uh, obviously, if we could suddenly become consciously aware of all levels of reality that are occurring at once, we wouldn't be able to function in physical waking reality. So there is, there is an element, uh, another aspect of, of the art of dreaming, of, um, which realizes on one hand that our personality is a durable thing. We're not going to lose who we are necessarily, but at the same time we want to sort of track ourselves as human beings and our place in the world and our purpose in life. So this is why keeping a journal and maintaining a certain level of redundant sort of um, review and tracking of yourself as a dreaming entity and as a, as a waking entity, this helps maintain uh, a balance. The practice of lucid dreaming is when it is carried through <clears throat> with the right level of purpose and commitment and intent can be a fantastic learning experience. I've never felt anything more euphoric or, or fulfilling really than 
being in a lucid dream state and creating realities and recognizing that in that state, my consciousness has the ability to create what can appear in the dream time just as valid and real as physical waking reality. In fact, the events which occur in the dream time have in themselves are expansive and multidimensional in their own right so that one can move through levels of energy and levels of constructs in the dream state and get an idea of how they're interacting, what they mean to you personally, and how they can relate to your your life in an overall larger sense across the continuum of waking, sleeping, and other levels of reality. Suggesting to ourselves that we awaken within the dream, in the Tibetan dream yoga system, uh, there's an affirmation which says, may I awaken within the dream and grasp the fact that I'm dreaming so that all dreamlike beings may likewise awaken from the nightmares of illusory suffering and confusion. So this is an affirmation one could use. It could be more simpler. May I just awaken within the dream or just suggest to yourself that you're going to um, become aware that you're dreaming while you're in the dream. This is one way. Another way, which is, is very effective, is to consistently throughout the day do uh, reality checks and just check with yourself and see if you're dreaming. Uh, for instance, look at a clock, look away, look back at it, uh, see if your time, if the time on the clock has changed. Try to float in the air. Uh, what I do is I look at things and I try to change their color because I find that I'm, I'm particularly good at causing things to turn different colors when I'm dreaming. Um, and if I can't do that, then I'm, then I'm, I'm not dreaming. Um, there's, there's all sorts of ways. Uh, I've used a, a watch with a 20 or 25 minute timer that beeps and then I do reality checks. Another good way is to pick certain events that you do on a regular basis, like when you're eating or when you're drinking or when you're going to the bathroom. Uh, I've often had dreams where I'm in bathrooms. And so things that you do regularly are great moments to do these reality checks. And what happens is your, your mind gets into the habit of doing this so that when you're dreaming, during those sort of overlay moments where you, you have a level, uh, just a little bit of level of conscious, waking conscious or, well, just conscious thinking, you can do these reality checks and realize that you're then re then realize that you're dreaming and begin to manipulate your dreams. And the the opportunities are fairly infinite in terms of what you can do in the dream time. Anything you can do in physical reality, you can do in the dream time. And in, in some regards, the effect because you're operating a, in a sense on a what what I might call a finer level of reality. You're able to utilize practices during the dream time, which can then manifest powerfully in your life. It's been said that if you can meditate for just a few minutes while you're in the dream time, that translates into, it would be as if you had been meditating for, say, a few hours in waking life. So the, the, 
Um, the dream practice also offers us a way to accelerate our evolution of consciousness in that way. Another thing I should mention is that maybe listening to this podcast or maybe upon reading some material about lucid dreaming or even having a conversation or just thinking about it, you may suddenly find yourself in a lucid dream and you don't know what to do. So this could be a reason you could lose your lucid dream. So it's important to keep in mind a certain, a bit of an agenda, what you might like to do once you become lucid in your dream. Would you like to fly to the top of a mountain and build your dream house? Would you like to visit a castle? Would you like to visit a certain period of time? Are there any friends you'd like to visit? Are there certain things you would like to do? Are there certain people you would like to meet? Are there certain kinds of experiences you would like to have? Um, and these can run the full gamut <laughs> of anything um, from G to PG to R to X to triple X. Um, so really the field is wide open in terms of um, just getting your feet wet, so to speak. Uh, but it's important to kind of have an idea of what you'd like to do once you become lucid in your dream. Um, it could mean just saying you're going to look around and move through your dreams by focusing on elements within the dream because this is possible to do in the dream time. One thing that's directly connected with a dreaming is the out-of-body experience, uh, what's been called astral projection, which is probably a misnomer astral projection is essentially more of a, a moving inward than it is uh, projecting outward. But when, when one develops uh, their vitality and their energy levels to, to a certain extent, one can then begin to work on that level with um, being aware when the energy body is separating from the physical body and retaining consciousness in the energy body. And what happens is you learn about the mobility of consciousness. In other words, our consciousness is not locked into our body. We're not, since, since it doesn't come directly from our brain, our physicality is, is an expression of our larger self. So we're not tied to our body when we're not in a conscious waking state. And by bringing our consciousness with us, we can begin to explore other realms, other realities, which, as I said before, are just different focuses of consciousness. I'd like to mention what, um, what Seth says in, um, let's see, I'm not sure where this is in the Seth material. I've been reading a lot of the early sessions of the Seth material. Um, these are the books pub published by... Uh, Jane Roberts and Robert Butts, her husband, who transcribed the sessions which Jane, Jane Roberts was channeling, in which Jane Roberts was channeling the, um, the personality essence, if you will, known as Seth. Uh, Seth said that the, the, the atoms and molecules which we use in waking life to create our realities are the same ones that we use in the dream time to create the realities experienced there. So the dreaming self, the breathing self is the dreaming self. 
the distinctions that we make between our levels of self, levels of awareness, are arbitrary, they're symbolic, and they're, they're mainly for practical purposes. But it should be remembered that we're not compartmentalized in that sense. Our subconscious is not some aspect of us that is going to have the potential to wreak havoc on our lives separate from our conscious mind. It's, it's a continuum. So we, we as human beings have the ability to look within ourselves as we look, without, as we look outside of ourselves. And the looking within is something that in society today we're not really focused on. But truly by doing so, we can begin to arrive at larger understandings of things and begin to manifest change in our world. Flying in dreams is one thing I've enjoyed immensely. And probably oftentimes when we're flying during our dreams, we are actually in an out-of-body state. In other words, our energy body is not in our physical body. We may be traveling through tremendous areas of what in waking life we would call space when we're having these flying dreams. I've experimented with flying dreams and found that um, it's possible not only to fly in your dreams, but to fly like Superman and to fly at very fast speeds. Um, and in a more developed dream practice exists the possibility to end the dream and begin to perceive um, what we might call the real-time reality, which is that consciousness and energy aspect of reality just below the level of waking perception, where we can begin to see how forms are being created and how energy and consciousness is is manifesting into different forms. So I'm um, I'm really excited about the opportunities that the dream time gives us. Not only in terms of understanding our dreams and using our dreams, but developing a a correlation and an awareness of our of us as beings who create energy. Don Juan Matus in in Carlos Castaneda's writings says that as human beings we tend to be bound to an inventory of reason. And by being bound to an inventory of reason, we are using instruments to measure energy. We're using things that, that operate within the level they were made to operate within, which is the level perceivable by our physical senses. But that in effect, by doing so, we are not recognizing the fact that we as beings are creators of energy. So ultimately, as a dream practice progresses, one begins to understand the value of working with energy. So in this sense, I found that um, there are many ways to enhance energetically your, your energy body, your, not only your physical body, your energy body, but your your inner senses and your ability to, in a sense, disentangle from some of the more illusory aspects of realities we experience. 
Uh, one of these uh, is is which is very good is a system of inner yoga that we call qigong, and there are various ways qigong is practiced. It's related to the the form of tai chi, but there's an inner yoga of qigong which is basically done sitting on the floor, and I would highly recommend. Um, taking advantage of what this offers. It's something anyone can do. The system that I'm, that I have in mind is called the eight brocades. And uh, there was, there are a number of resources on this. One of them, which I don't have with me right now because I'm recording this podcast in my car. I'm actually sitting in a parking lot of um, an office complex in the evening near where I live in Oregon uh, because it's quieter here and the car off affords a, a nice enclosed space where I can speak and know that I'm getting basically just my own voice without a lot of outside noise. Uh, Qigong is, is a tremendous way to not only enhance your health and vitality and longevity, um, but a good way to help along energetically in terms of a dreaming practice. In, in a more advanced level, uh, practitioners of yoga or Qigong or both might begin to incorporate breath work of various kinds. Uh, I found a certain method of breath work which is very powerful and it's, it's actually powerful to the extent where it's something I would warn people about using. As a matter of fact, some of the people who have taught this in the past, um, let's say Swamis from India or advanced yoga practitioners, uh, are, are told not to teach it. But I guess you could say I'm a little bit um, of an adventurous person. Uh, and I began to incorporate breath work into my um, practice and found that it catapulted me really into levels of dreaming. Um, and there are other ways to catapult yourself into levels of dreaming uh, beyond the uh, quote-unquote status quo. <laughs> um, utilizing, for instance, different herbal supplements, different Ayurvedic supplements, um, certain, well, I would call them alchemical elements, things like um, monoatomic gold, monatomic gold, they call it, um, which is also something I would warn people about. But in, in, what, what I'm essentially saying is that there are certain supplements you can take which can greatly enhance lucid dreaming. And I will put a reference for a book on this at the end of the podcast too, but I don't want to go into it right now. It's kind of a whole other realm of study, um, but it does offer some tremendous possibilities. Um, to give you an idea, uh, in, 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 a, in a sleeping session of say, you go to bed at night, you sleep four or five hours, you get up for maybe half hour and you take some of these supplements and you time them so that the uptake is just as you're falling asleep. It is possible to have uh, uh, really sort of powerful lucid dreams. But in my view, it's better to learn to 
bring this bring this about on your own uh, so that you don't have a crutch per se um, so I think that um, just beginning a basic dream practice of remembering your dreams uh, working toward becoming conscious in your dreams uh, learning to maintain a level of relaxation and not to get too excited um, all of these kinds of basic, all of this basic work uh, is kind of the groundwork for, for moving into more uh, advanced dream work. Um, bringing to mind uh, for me uh, the, the writings of Carlos Castaneda one more time, uh, which most people in scientific circles uh, regard the Carlos Castaneda books uh, as fairly fanciful or not really grounded in, in, in real reality. But in fact, they stem from a deep tradition out of Mexico, which is the Toltec tradition. And in the Toltec tradition, there have been dreaming practitioners who have... Um, transcended, if you will, the barriers between physical waking reality and dreaming reality, which produces physical reality. So I hope this gives you some sort of general outline or picture of, uh, of a dreaming practice, which is not based in the idea of people in white lab coats and putting little electrode things on your scalp when you're sleeping so that they can measure brain activity because what actually happens um, is that the activity in dreams and as we go deeper and deeper into dreams things begin to occur which are no longer measurable which are but which are directly experienced by us but not necessarily measurable with instruments so this approach and this this viewpoint that I, or the stance that I have, is that um, scientific understandings of reality largely today, although there are some who have gone sort of maybe beyond the status quo understandings of reality, uh, the stance that I'm taking is one more grounded in the idea that uh, all matter is crystallized thought and that our thoughts create reality, that we create our own reality. So it's a, it's a shamanic view, if you will. And when I say a shamanic view, that has some ramifications. Uh, sh shamanism generally is, is regarded as uh, a practice involving those gifted individuals within societies or tribes who are able to move consciously into the dream time with the understanding that it is the playground and the area wherein various realities including physicality are formed um, there's this aspect of journeying and I, I know I mentioned supplements before but but shamanic journeying usually involves uh, some sort of activity which helps um, move the consciousness outside of, of waking reality so that, uh, for instance, um, a drumming 
at a drumming rate of between three and seven drum beats per second, um, if utilized in conjunction with the right intention, can help propel you into an altered state of consciousness, which is really what dreaming is. It's an altered state of consciousness. Uh, altered state meaning altered focus of consciousness. Uh, it's something we do well. If we didn't dream, we would probably go insane. So it's, um, it's an important aspect. Everyone dreams. Animals dream. Animals can, um, especially mammals, um, are able to produce the out-of-body state as well. In other words, our consciousness as human beings is the same energetic vitality which exists in plants and animals. It's just that there are different focuses um, and different paths, if you will, of consciousness as a learning or within and through mediums of gaining knowledge and expanding. Because consciousness is expansive. It's always going to expand. It's, uh, well, there is this notion that our universe is expanding uh, spatially, but really what's happening is that consciousness is expanding to avail ourselves of the opportunities that expanding consciousness can give us if we are more present in it is really uh, invaluable. Let me offer an analogy which others have used and I think it's a good metaphor and that's the idea of, of a television set and being able to tune into different channels. Um, with a television set, we have the ability to tune into different channels and view different shows or news channels or all sorts of things. And in the, in the dream time, oftentimes things seem a bit confused or jarbled because it's like it's like in a television set where suddenly the channels are not necessarily separated from one another. You may see certain events happening. Someone may be flying or swimming or dying or frying an egg or, um, or doing multiple of these things at once. And there may be, at the same time, someone else in the room may be talking to a fish or maybe um, an airplane is landing or maybe suddenly you're at the bottom of the ocean and all of these can be sort of overlapped it's as if a television set where the channels are no longer separated so learning to uh, focus one's awareness and it should be added that uh, a lot of times when we awaken and we remember our dreams we're sort of restructuring them in order to fit with our levels of perception or what we're used to in waking reality because when we awaken we're suddenly back in the conscious waking state. There is a level of distortion that occurs and with practice and work this can be overcome to some extent but regardless when we do awaken from dreams we tend to um, remember dreams in ways that allow us to remember them based on our waking consciousness. So certain events may occur during a dream 
which are not directly translatable into uh, what we experience in waking reality, and yet we try to mold them to fit into our experience of waking reality. So uh, there may be aspects of our inner inner selves or our deeper consciousness which is operating in different levels of reality where time may expand inward or move backward or where um, forms and energies uh, operate in ways that uh, we can't readily translate. So there is, there is a level of distortion there. Um, and the TV analogy uh, with overlapping channels is, is kind of good in that regard. Uh, also, um, I think that by developing a dream practice over time and using the metaphor of a, t of a television set, uh, one can begin to see how the various programming are created, produced, and transmitted. So in, in, in this way, getting a real understanding of the way that um, nature works, aside from these so-called laws that we are taught through science, and, and in a way which allows us to get an understanding of how the universe grounded as consciousness and energy goes from there, to manifestation throughout various focuses of consciousness and various uh, levels of reality. So I hope you've enjoyed listening and I hope this gives you some insight into the value of, of establishing, establishing a dreaming practice. And as always, you can email me at greg.delapay at gmail.com. So in the next episode, I'll be reviewing a series of books and possibly some articles uh, that you can use in conjunction with the various podcast episodes that will be coming forth in the calling.